Good morning. We're in Genesis chapter 45 this morning. Right in the middle of this, uh, well, no, we're at the end of this sermon series on Joseph. Uh, we've taken a look at his uh, daring to dream and uh, looked at this rags to riches story. Joseph was sold to slavery, risen to second command. We've talked through a lot of this story, and today we're going to talk about that promise that was made to Joseph and it being fulfilled. We are fast-forwarding nine years from last week, and we arrive at Genesis 45. There were, in fact, seven years of abundance in Egypt. Joseph has been busy collecting grain, collecting taxes, so that Egypt will be prepared for the seven years of famine. And at this point in the story, we are two years into that famine. And the drought has reached Jacob's family. So Jacob sends his son to Egypt to buy grain. They don't recognize Joseph when they arrive. But Joseph recognizes them. Joseph chooses to conceal his identity. He deals harshly with his brothers. Took advantage of his power by acting shrewdly with a group of people that needed to prove themselves. Amen? They had proven themselves to Joseph when he was 17 years old to be dishonest, untrustworthy, obviously no commitment to family. And so he sent them back and forth to his father, testing their integrity, testing their word to see if it was safe to reveal who he was. Listen to this story as Joseph can no longer conceal his identity. Genesis 45. When Joseph could no longer conceal himself before his attendants, he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. Pharaoh's household heard about it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers, they were unable to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. And Joseph, he he said to his brothers, come close to me. When they'd done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into slavery. Do you remember me? And now, do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you for two years now there's been famine in the land and for the next five years there will be no plowing there will be no reaping but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance so then it was not you who sent me here but God he made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of the entire household, and ruler of all of Egypt. Let's stop there and let's pray. Father, I am incredibly grateful for your presence among us today, for your word spoken to our hearts. And we pray that through the power of your Spirit, 
that you will move among us in such a way that we can understand clearly your word and that you'll speak your truth to our hearts and our minds. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The passage we read today is the key to understanding the story of Joseph and how it fits into the larger story of Jacob. How it fits into the larger story of the people of Israel. And ultimately, the larger story of Jesus Christ. God's promises are true. And God will always be faithful to his word. We see this truth in Joseph's explanation of his journey. He explains to his brothers how they saw God working and the reality of God's working through Joseph. We see the fulfillment of Joseph's original dream right before their very eyes. So this morning we're going to kind of compare how the brothers saw the situation and how God was really working and the whole story of Joseph. So I want to start first by, by really pointing this out because this is incredibly important. Joseph at no point seems to have desired selfish gain. But at some point along the, the way, he realized that God's mission was for him to save lives. Write that down if you'd like to. Joseph, he doesn't desire selfish gain, but he desires to, to be the one who is called to, to save lives. If you go back to Genesis 37 when the story began, when, when Joseph had had the dream and he shared it with his brothers, do you remember his brothers' responses? They said, do you intend to rule over us? Do you actually think you're going to reign over us? And Scripture tells us that they hated him all the more because of this dream and what he had said. And so Joseph comes at this a little bit different, doesn't he? He counters that original hatred with the words that we saw here. God sent me ahead of you to preserve a remnant and save your life. I don't know what Joseph thought at 17 years old when he was shown this dream of his brothers and his parents bowing before him. I don't know what he thought at 17 years old, but I can tell you what he thought at 30. He thought the purpose of that was not so that you could bow before me, but that I could preserve a remnant. And this is incredibly important to understand. God had made a promise to Abraham. And this famine, this seven years of famine, had the potential of completely wiping out Abraham's seed. And Joseph saw his picture in a very unselfish way of how he could play this role in God's bigger plan. To save a remnant. Now you counter that with some of the examples we see throughout scripture. Folks who desire selfish, selfish gain. One comes to mind. 
in Acts 8. Do you remember Simon the sorcerer? Starting in verse 9, Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city, and he amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, they gave him their intention and exclaimed, This man has the great power of God, or the gods. And they followed him because he had amazed them for such a long time with sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, the people of the city were baptized, men and women. And Simon the sorcerer himself believed, and he was baptized, and he followed Philip wherever he went, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. But in verse 18, we're told, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given to uh, the people by the apostles' hands, he offered Peter money and said, Could you give me this ability so that everyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit? And Peter said, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. Simon, at some point along the story, I believe he truly believed in Jesus Christ. And he had given up his ways of sorcery. But when he saw the Spirit of God come upon everyone, he thought, I need that power. Can you imagine how many people would follow me? Peter put him in his place. God raised up Joseph for the purpose and calling to bring justice on earth and glory to his name, not to bring selfish gain. Now, secondly, I want to point out that Joseph didn't create his own path, but his path was directed by God. And I will add to that that Joseph clearly says that you, my brothers, didn't create this path. Joseph didn't climb a ladder of su success. He didn't create the path. God created the path. And the brothers were terrified, we're told. He told them to come closer, which tells us that they probably darted back as far as they could away from Joseph. Imagine. Seeing your brother that you thought was dead, that you thought was probably somewhere in the country of Egypt, lost. Maybe doing some manual labor. But you never thought in a million years that you would come face to face with your brother. Back in chapter 42, before they knew Joseph was Joseph, they looked at Joseph and said, well, our dad had 12 kids, but now that's 11. One of them died. They told Joseph that. Best case scenario, they figured that Joseph was a slave. But before they could say anything, Joseph says, it is not you who sent me here. It was God. They thought, they thought if we just throw him in a pit, 
if we could just kill him, or if we could even just sell him into slavery, then we'll see. Do you remember those words? Then we'll see what comes of those dreams. They thought they could direct the paths, but God's paths were secure. And it was the wise Solomon who would write Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. Do what? Submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Author Carrie Skinner uh, writes, Imagine walking through the forest along a path that's not well defined. Concern on staying on the path would be your focus, right? Lest you step in a hole or become disoriented and lost. But, but if you knew there were animal traps set, maybe you might be a little bit more cautious and alert. Knowing this, instead of taking a relaxing walk, your concern would be to scope out the area. Make sure that you avoided those traps. Your mind, your emotions, your physical skills become highly alert, knowing that if you step in one of those traps, you could be ensnared. And that story reminded me of my sister, who has several acres of land, and she and my brother-in-law have carved out all these paths in this, this, this lot that they live on. And I remember taking my, the first time I took a stroll in those woods behind her house. It was much easier and it was much safer to navigate when she was leading the way. When I could just keep my eyes on my sister and follow her along the path. If I were to try to do it on my own, I don't know where I would have ended up. Joseph seemed to have a lot of traps along the way, right? He was sold into slavery. He rose to the top. He was accused of raping. He was thrown into jail. He interpreted some dreams but was forgotten. And yet all along the path, he kept his eyes, not on my sister, but on God. Joseph landed in the position of ruler in Egypt because he continued to follow God. And, and I think this is probably the most important piece of the puzzle right here. That Joseph didn't desire to rule. He desired to serve. And we got to go back to last week when we talked about him interpreting the dream. He said, let Pharaoh find a wise man who can discern how to deal with this seven years of abundance and seven years of drought. He didn't say, well, there's going to be seven years of famine, seven years of drought, and uh, I think I'm your guy. I think I'm the one that can lead it. Let me get some royalty here. No, no. He desired to see that these people were taken care of during the seven years of drought. And if you think that Joseph's life was a life of luxury, you don't understand the kind of work he had to do as he traveled throughout Egypt and tried to persuade all of these governors to give up their stuff so they could store all this grain from a dream that Pharaoh had. Do you think that would have been fun? 
hey, uh, you know our king Pharaoh, he kind of had a dream, and we're going to have seven years of drought, so we got to take some of your grain. What? But he had to do it. He took the position of a public servant, tirelessly working for, through seven years of abundance. And even in the dealing with his brothers, we see service, right? Joseph might have been testing his brothers to make sure he could reveal himself, but if I was in Joseph's shoes, I surely wouldn't be thinking about their lives being saved. They threw me in a pit. They sold me into slavery. The first 17 years of my life wasn't great at all, and I kind of don't like those guys. They took away the best years of his life, and he didn't even utter the words, I told you you'd bow to me. The mother of the sons of Zebedee approached Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 20, we're told that James and John sent their mom to Jesus to find out who's going to be the greatest. We want to be number one and two, they told Jesus through their mom. And Jesus called them all together. And in Matthew chapter 20 says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them, but, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant, and whoever wants to become first must be your slave. Why? Jesus said, because the Son of Man, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. What an example to follow. Joseph was called to give his life fully and fully to the promise of God. Jesus Christ was called to give his life fully to fulfill the promise of God. What about you? Will you give your life? And I mean something more than just a a weekly gathering. Will you give your life fully to God? It's not a life of luxury. It's not a life of royalty. Jesus is calling us to a life of service. Something greater than our nine to five jobs. This world is our mission field. And we when we give our lives to Jesus, have become public servants. Think about what you can do in this world as you think today about the sacrifice as Jesus gave himself fully for you. Let's pray. Father, we are incredibly grateful for the sacrifice grateful for the love, grateful for the offering of your son, Jesus. As we gather, we celebrate this amazing sacrifice. We celebrate your love, and we celebrate your grace. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.